Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Today we're going to be talking about return on life and this is going to be part one of a three-part podcast that, that Tim has put together for us. And I love the statement, return on life, Tim. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. It's sunny here in the Midwest, so I'm happy. Nice, nice, nice. Now, uh, there's so much emphasis on return on investment. And when people are talking to advisors, they want, okay, what am I going to get for my returns? Or if they're investing on their own, they're looking at the returns. What am I, what percentage am I getting? Am I going to get 10%? Am I going to get 3%? Am I, you know, I'm hoping for that 25% return, right? <laughs> Everybody's mm-hmm. hoping for a 25% you know, return. But I know that you and your firm don't focus primarily on return on investment because that is a it's a, to me, it's almost, it's a fallacy in a way. When, when we talk about return on investment, there's so much more that, that goes into that statement that is never even covered when you're just talking about your percentages, correct? It, it, yes, that's correct. And all you have to do is, you know, look at uh, TV, look at advertising commercials, or just read the paper. And yeah, the, the focus is always on, you know, what's your rate of return? Do you have enough? And you know, I guess, Eric, I would ask you, you know, when you look at your own portfolios or your own investments, you know, does earning 1% or 2% less um, than the market impact how you live your life? Because there's, so, I mean, we want great performance. We believe we get great performance for our clients, but it's really just one of the variables, one of the, the key parts of the whole equation. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, if, if I'm looking at my investments and saying, oh my gosh, 1%, difference from what the market's doing or 2% or 3% different than what the market's doing. If that is affecting my daily life, that's the problem, right? I mean, that's, I'm focusing way too much on it and it's not allowing me to be in the moment. Exactly. And part of the problem I think too is, is my, you know, the industry that I'm in, we follow all the formal processes and we look at where you are today, you know, where are your assets, where are your liabilities, your mortgage, your credit cards, your car payments, et cetera. And what kind of risk are you taking? And then we take all that information with with assumptions and we forecast, you know, future cash flows and taxes and distributions. We look at your estate plans. So we focus on the numbers which are critical, but oftentimes we do that really without asking you know, what's more, what's important to you and, and how, how can we help you manage your money in a way that allows you to live your best life based on you specifically? Yeah. And I, and I think that so many advisors are out there that, that say, okay, what do you want to accomplish when you retire? And that, that's their one big question. What do you, how do you want to live in retirement? And I say, well, I want to live debt free and I want to live, you know, I want to be able to travel and I want to be able to vacation. And they just kind of put something together and say, okay, if you stay on this track, if everything goes well, this should work out for you. Right. And that's, that's their, they can't promise anything of course, but that's kind of the, the one statement or one question that they're trying to get us to answer. And I think they're missing so much more. And I know that you and your firm do a lot more with very honed in questions and very, very specific. So do you want to speak a little bit to that and how that changes the conversation from returning on return on investment to return on life? Sure. So, 
again, I'm, I'm a, I always joke, but it's true. I'm a recovering accountant. So I, I love process. And so we have these formal processes, questionnaires, surveys, where in addition to drawing out the, the goals and the, the financial facts, we want to also find out about things like well-being, you know, what are your goals regarding leisure, you know, your healthcare, mm-hmm. um, family relationships, other relationships. We want to find out things that we call freedom, but it's what I find with all of our clients, one of their biggest fears, and when you look at surveys, it'll confirm it, their biggest fear down the road is they want autonomy. They don't mm-hmm. want to be have their children, their grandchildren, you know, taking care of They want to be independent. They yeah. want security. So, you know, we, we want to know what those goals are. And then also, we've talked about this before, you know, where, where we get into lifelong learning. And But, you know, what about your progress? We want to know what your goals are for work. You know, are you happy at work? Are you looking to make a transition? Are you happy in your current home, your residence? Where do you plan on living in the future? Um, just certain achievements. So we, we want to get a lot of information related to your well-being, your freedom, your progress, so that we can really help you make sure that you're getting the maximum use out of your money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one of the one of the steps we have is uh, we have this formal, we call it return on life process, but you know, I, I guess what I'll go back to is in one of the previous podcasts, we talked, Eric, about some of your passions that you have, mm-hmm. uh, your charitable passions, um, you know, and maybe how you incorporated those into your plan is one of the key variables and the key transition points. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's I mean that's that's part of my being. That's part of who I am, and and it was reinforced recently in in, in Nebraska where I'm at currently. Uh, there was a ton of flooding, a ton of damage. A lot of people lost their homes, and and it takes me back to when I was a kid. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but we my family lost our home in Minnesota uh, when I was around three years old, and and it was a devastating flood. We lost everything pretty much, and the Salvation Army was there to help. Right. And so that's been a passion of my parents and they pass that along to me. And and that's how a lot of people get those charitable passions. Right. It's it's what has affected them. If they've had somebody, a family member who's gone through a, a struggle with cancer, maybe the Cancer Society, the American Cancer Society is somebody that they contribute to on a religious basis um, or a regular basis because of the fact that they know that they do good and they, they want to end somebody else's suffering because they saw how much devastation it brought to their family and, and how much the charity could help other families. So I, I think in your example, and we've talked about it before, you know, you're, you're allowing your money to serve you and not vice versa. Mm-hmm. We talk to clients a lot about that. You're not focusing just on accumulating enough. You're focusing on living today and being present. And really, it's all about quality versus quantity. Mm-hmm. And so the, what we do is we have a process where we try to have the clients give us more information and, and answer three big questions. We want to know, number one, you know, how did you arrive at your perspective on money? Because as we'll talk about, that really determines a lot of the assumptions and goals and the planning that we do. Mm-hmm. Number two, we want to find out from the clients whether they're managing money in a way that improves their life. And we have a formal survey that they complete for that. And then finally, we want to ask clients if they're financially prepared for some of their individual or personal big transitions in life. And I say individual because every client is different. They're all at a different stage of life. It could be a marriage, could be buying a house, could be retirement, could be exiting a business. Mm -hmm. So we want to know what those key transitions are. And those are really the three big questions that we try to address with this process. And how do you do that? 
Well, so what I thought I'd do in today's podcast is really focus on question one, which is, you know, how did I arrive at or how do, my, how do clients arrive at their perspectives on money? And we, we call that a, I can never say this properly, but a fiscalosophy. Fis- you know, fiscalosophy. Fis- yeah, they're Fis- basically their fiscal philosophy. That's all. all. Right. They merged it into one word. Uh, we want to have that conversation. Because what happens is, I mean, consider, I'll just give you a, a scenario. You know, I meet a client, um, let's call him Mark, and Mark spends a lot of money on trips and entertainment. He grew up in a household where maybe his mother or father, one of his spouses or both, were maybe workaholics, never took time to really enjoy what they earned. And what I find is clients then and will either do the same or do the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And so I, I need, I want to know, you know, what the history is or compare that to maybe somebody else who grew up and feels that, you know, they have to, if they don't save enough, even though they have all the money they have in the world or that they would ever need and they can't possibly spend it, they really don't spend it because they grew up in a, a situation where uh, they were trained or taught not to do that, this constant struggle to make ends meet. I use, uh, I'll just use my wife, Nancy, as an example, you know, and she'll concur for this or agree to this, but she always not always, but periodically references that, you know, she grew up in a household where her parents were grew up in the depression mm-hmm. and that dramatically impacted her ability, how she spends, how she saves and how she treats money. And it's important for me to know that as I'm developing a plan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, there've been many, many studies about that and it's ripples on a pond. If you, if you had a grandparent that, I mean, if I'm talking to a slightly younger generation here, but if you had a grandparent that went through the depression and, and was raising a small child, meaning your parent, your parent learned that behavior and the the fear that their parent instilled in them about a great depression could happen again. You've got to, you've got to guard yourself and save and, and so on and so forth that again, it's passed on to, to the kids in a way, or like you said, it can almost be the opposite sometimes where they're going to try to rebel from that. But the psychology of it is really, really interesting. And trying to overcome those, those hurdles and, and, and things with clients isn't always a good idea. It's really being able to recognize that and, and pivot from that point and say, okay, here's what we're doing. Let me help reassure you, or let me show you kind of where we're at and what that means. And, and let's just have that discussion. Yeah. And it's not something that I'm able to draw out or determine all at once. Mm-hmm. It's really over time with the relationship because it is very personal, very emotional, just like this whole process is. But before talking about tactics and portfolio allocations and estate planning and things like that, I, I really need to know what the client thinks about money and, and how they learned it if, mm-hmm. as much as possible so yeah. that I can kind of carve out the recommendations to that. All right. So when I get into the fiscal, Fiscal philosophy, because I can never say that word, the questionnaire that we have. <laughs> uh-huh. There's really eight sections, and I can kind of walk through those briefly with you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd love it. Okay. So, and you can imagine, as I talk about these individual topics, these are key areas like debt. So, I might meet with a client. Some have a lot of debt. Some have no debt. Some debt stresses them out. Others are pretty confident that you know, I need to leverage my balance sheet. I need to get as much debt as possible. That's how I exponentially grow. So I need to know how comfortable they are with debt. Hmm. And one of the interesting things is when we do this survey, we've done it sometimes where the the, the spouses do it together. Um, But I get the best information, I think, when 
the spouses do it separately because this is this creates a lot of interesting conversations between couples. Um, you know, especially when it comes out about what their feelings about debt are, or savings, or spending, things like that. So you have them do it separately and then come together for the discussion. I prefer to have them do it separately. Sometimes, right in the meeting, we'll do it. Sometimes I have them do it. Like uh, I'll send them a link and they complete the survey before the meeting, so mm-hmm. I have the information, you know, prior to meeting. Yeah. I also like to do it periodically. Maybe once, you know, in other words, once we get the baseline and we prepare a plan. I like to do it every couple of years at least so that we can go back and see trends. You know, maybe their philosophy is changing. Maybe as they're getting older, closer to retirement, their feeling about debt is changing, which oh, yeah. typically happens. Yeah. I mean, you have a grandchild and all of a sudden you got some got some different ideas of what you want to do with your money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the second area we focus on is, is savings. And I have met with clients in their 20s who – you know, they just can't. They they would be stressed out if they weren't saving fifteen percent of their salary in their four hundred one k. And I've met people in their fifties who have not started saving. So I I need to know what the philosophy is behind the people as I meet with them, and then hopefully is I need to track and monitor the philosophy or the the feelings about savings as we proceed with our relationship. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, also spending. I could tell you that I've I've been in meetings where I talk to clients about their children. And I just see them nod when I talk about some of the, some kids from the same parents, you know, they have the last, the first dollar they ever made. And then the next sibling, ha- you know, if they get a dollar, they're going to spend a dollar 20. <laughs> and, and that's just, you know, everyone is so different in their approach to that. And so I need to draw out what their, what their feelings are about spending. Do I spend now and save later or save now and spend later? That's kind of a big variable. Got it. All right. Um, the fourth area that we focus on in the questionnaire is is giving, and this is usually one we talk about towards the end because we've gone through a lot of the other questions. But you know, what is their level of current charitable contributions, and what what's their goal? I've had clients say, "I have no interest in you know supporting charities. I, I my I'm it's all about my kids, my family." Mm-hmm. I've had clients say, "My kids are getting nothing." <laughs> I'm just going to give it all to charity and everywhere in between. So I want to know what their their philosophy is about that. And oftentimes it's because they've learned it from their parents or grandparents uh, one way or the other. Yeah. And then the, the fifth area is just, you know, related to investing. As you can imagine, people are, some people don't mind the volatility of the market. Some people do mind it a lot. Some people are more conservative. And what I find is when spouses do this survey separately – they have the best conversations because they're typically they're not aligned, and and there's always some sort of negotiation at the end, mm-hmm. you know, between the two philosophies. So I need to to draw that information out, because the worst thing that can happen is if I establish implement a plan that isn't consistent uh, risk wise or volatility wise with one or both of the clients, the spouses. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another area is insurance, you know, risk management, that could be life insurance, that could be disability insurance. Lately, I, as I'm getting older and my clients are getting older and we're doing more planning for, um, not necessarily end of life, but long, you know, post working planning, mm-hmm. long-term care insurance has, has become a real important conversation and, and something we're continuing to look at. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the last two are really 
children and retirement, I, I kind of put them together, although they're somewhat separate. And that's really this psychological balance between how much of the money that I'm accumulating, the wealth that I'm accumulating, do I want to make sure is available and ready to provide my standard of living for my spouse and myself? And how much do I want to leave for the next generation? And I say that because I've had, I do have clients who will joke, but I think they're, they're, they're truthful when they say, I just want to write that last check the day before I die. You know? <laughs> I mean, they want to see the, the curve line go right to zero on the date of death. And if we all knew that date, you know, we could do that. Makes it a little easier if you know that date. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then I have other clients who are the complete opposite where they want to make sure that beyond what they need for their own standard of living, there's plenty there to provide for their family when they're gone, but also some, you know, during their life so they can watch the the children and grandchildren enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So the balancing between priorities between children and retirement are a big one. Got it. And so what I would say is that th- this is a questionnaire, a survey, a process that just goes the next step. It's, you know, we do the formal financial planning. We look at all the facts. We do the forecast, the cash flow, tax planning. But I think before we can really finalize a plan and implement it, and more importantly, as we're monitoring it in, during the relationship with our clients, we need to know what those, the, those um, the history, the fiscal philosophy of the clients are to make sure that the plan is very specifically fitting their goals and their needs. So what is your take on it? How do they receive this? When, they, when they've gone through this and they've kind of gone through these steps, what is their overall reaction? So what we do is we have a, like I mentioned earlier, there's a, a survey. It's, it's a digital version of this, this profile. And when they log in and they answer a series of 15, 20 questions, it comes back with results and it covers all these different eight areas and what their philosophy. And, and it's not, there's not a, a right or wrong answer. It's a relative measure. And it's really designed to give them and me feedback, but also, especially, like I said, between spouses to start a conversation so that they can come up with, okay, this is what our our goal combined is about our children and our retirement and our risk management and the stock market and all those different things. And then it enables us to really create a, a plan. It's included with the plan. And like I said, we try to update it periodically so that we're always changing, updating the plan based on changing views and philosophies. Yeah. And I know that you always have great conversations with your clients. And I imagine that this really opens up conversations. Let's let's take the married equation out of this. But let's say you have a single person who's coming in and, and doing this and they've filled out their form and now they're going to discuss it with you. I'm sure that there's times when just between the two of you, they change their view on maybe one or two of their answers once you get into kind of the explanation or the kind of some of the other points that you bring up. Because I know that a, a 15 question questionnaire isn't going to be able to cover everything. And, and this is really a starting point for the conversation. But how often do you find that people are kind of saying, oh, well, you know what? I didn't think about that. I kind of like to change my my answer on how I feel about debt because you brought up a different type of debt I wasn't thinking of. Like when I, when I think of debt, it's like, I really hate it. it. It just boils my blood to have any debt besides my house, right? Because my house is just a normal, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, you can't see, a normal <laughs> debt. 
but boy, I don't want that credit card or I don't want such and such debt, you know, looming over me. But like you said earlier, there's certain kinds of debt that are good, especially if you're a business owner, you're going to have to be in some debt depending on what your supply line looks like, so on and so forth. So how often do you see somebody changing their answers based on your conversation with them? Um, I would say every time uh, <laughs> okay. because a part of it is you're completing this survey and you're answering the questions, but you're not really sure. People are always trying to beat the questionnaire, right? So yeah. sometimes they're trying to, what are they looking for? And then once we get the results and we go through it, they'll say, oh, well, I thought this or I thought that based on this, I would change it that way. So that's the nice thing about going through it is then you come up with a more, I call it an adjusted, but a more realistic survey. And that's also when you get back to the spouses where the negotiation starts and then we come up with one philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, and then what happens is, and what I, what I thought I would cover on the next podcast is now that we have completed the fiscal philosophy questionnaire, we've had the conversation about the results and we've tweaked them. Then we get to the next point, which is, you know, okay, so what are you doing? Are, you know, ba- you, we've kind of identified what you want and what your history and what your philosophy is. Let's talk now about and, and go through another survey where we can identify, are you managing the money in a way that's consistent with your f- fiscal philosophy? Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then the, the podcast after that, we kind of go through this, what we call financial lifeline, which is a, we talk about transition points. Okay, we, we've identified your fiscal philosophy. We've then talked about how you're managing your money and how maybe you should manage your money. And then the third part will be, let's plan for these transition points, uh, which are important to you. Mm, got it. Yeah, I, I can see you having the conversation and being able to really help somebody go through what means more to them, right? I mean, we're talking about return on lifestyle. We're, t- we're talking about return on life in general. And just as, a, as an example, you know, I hate debt. We've talked about that before. I have to get a new driveway, Tim. It's not It's not pretty. <laughs> and I know that yeah. this driveway is going to cost me Ten, twelve thousand dollars. It's it's ridiculous, but if if I come to you and I'm talking and we go through this, and you can find out that I've got a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in savings, I've got retirement accounts that are doing okay, and you're going to do some tweaking there for me, you know, based on what I want for the future, so on and so forth, and I'm telling you about the the different things that you know, you said major life events, right? Well, to me, a driveway is a major life event when you're talking 10 grand, For uh, sure. you know, so maybe it's something where you're going to tell me, look, here's the deal. You have, you have a good amount of savings, right? So there's really no reason to stress yourself out about financing that driveway or getting, you know, getting a payment plan from the company when you could actually pay cash for it. And it's not going to take you below what you want for savings, knowing, you know, knowing my ideas about savings or how secure I need to feel, or maybe it's something where, no, 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 I need to have $200,000 in savings. I'm $80,000 away. There's no way that I can take anything out of there. And maybe that's my attitude. And how do you help somebody kind of traverse that? Is it, is it just kind of looking at, okay, which is more stressful, not having $200,000 in savings or having $10,000 in debt that you have to pay on a monthly basis? I I think that what clients want to know is that there's a plan and that they're on track for success. So in your example, if I know you don't like debt and I know that you need a driveway, I can look at all the different buckets of funds you have and I can develop a plan with you to get that driveway for you in the most tax efficient way and also in a way that pays that debt down as quickly as possible. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And if you see that plan and you say, okay, I know that I'm going to have this driveway, which I need. I know that in 18 months, I'm going to be back to where I was. And so you see that you're on path for success, that debt's going to be short term, and it does eliminate or at least alleviate your stress because there's certainty. There's certainty with a plan. I mm-hmm. think that's really what we provide. Yeah. And, and then you bring in that other, that missing component, which would be my wife, right? Sitting there <laughs> exactly. next to me saying, oh no, this driveway is going to happen. I'm really tired of how bumpy the car ride is from our street to the garage. Right. <laughs> so no, exactly. That's a whole different, that's a whole different stress. So I've got the debt stress, the savings stress, and then my wife stressing that I'm going to have that driveway done very quickly. So <laughs> yeah, my recommendation is get the driveway and some counseling. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know, that counseling first. That's, probably. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's your role in a way. And uh, I appreciate that very much about you, Tim. So yeah. by no means are you licensed and no, you're not a therapist. <laughs> we're going to say, yeah, we're exactly. going to, yeah, we're going to say that right here on the podcast. Uh, but I, I make a joke about that. But however, the amount that you relieve stress-wise from couples, that is its own kind of therapy. And I appreciate that very much about you. Yeah. Um, all right. Any closing thoughts for today's podcast? No, just that, you know, clients work with us because we create customized plans that are based on our clients' very, mm-hmm. very unique goals. And this is part of how we draw out the goals to this return on life process. And in the next two podcasts, we'll get further into the part two and part three Uh, you know, so that you can complete the series. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time again today, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Wall Stream Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 